0: Volume 1, Chapter 2 of Evelyn, or A Heart Unmasked, a novel by Anna Cora Mowat. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 2. Benedict, the married man, much ado about nothing. From the same to the same. June 1st, we had the happiness of welcoming back Evelyn and her husband after a fortnight's absence. There was no visible change in the lovely bride. She was as vivacious, as frank, as thoughtless, and as brilliant as ever. As for Mr. Merritt, who is really an agreeable and remarkably well-bred young man, I never liked him half as so well as now they have taken a handsome suite of apartments and are to remain here man's character said some philosopher is perfected through trial mr merits therefore is in a fair way of becoming faultless the first evenings after his return when he entered the parlour he found evelyn sitting upon the sofa and beside her a young man who was familiarly amusing himself by tangling the spools of cotton and skeins of silk which filled her work-basket the young man rose when mr Merritt made his appearance upset the basket and awkwardly yet boldly walked up to him walter permit me to introduce you to my my stammered evelyn blushing why what's the matter with you evie why can't you speak out like a woman said the stranger roughly making a vain endeavor to free his thumbs from the floss silk twined about them my brother richard continued evelyn Concluding her sentence with less confusion. Or Dick, if you like that better, Dick at your service, sir, added Mr. Willard, bowing repeatedly and smiling at every bow. Well might Mr. Merritt have gazed at this individual in astonishment. The person who stood before him was about six feet high, with a loosely knit and spindling frame surmounted by a small apple-shaped head he wore a coat so much too large for him that it must have been constructed for a friend in whose service it had seen its best days the rest of his costume was in the same style except that his shirt being totally invisible its existence might be doubted This Richard Willard, or Dick, as he chooses to call himself, is really a curious creature, one of nature's oddities, rendered more odd by circumstance. He is naturally bashful in the extreme, but conceals his mauvaise holt by an assumption of boldness and bluntness, which often amounts to positive impudence. He generally walks through the streets with his head hanging down, but inclined a little to one side, with one eye half closed, which gives him at the same time a sheepish and a knowing look. He calls himself a lawyer, but with a lawyer's fees it is not likely that he ever become acquainted. He never has a sixpence in his pocket unless he happens to borrow one from a good-natured friend who is willing to pay for getting rid of him. He cannot make a suitable appearance. He never lives with the rest of his family. Where he hides himself I cannot imagine, but like the owl, he generally ventures out at night." His skilful mother contrives to supply him with clothes, which he pawns for one-third of their value almost as soon as he receives them. He carries his whole wardrobe upon his back. Anything extra would immediately be transported to the three balls and converted into silver or even copper yet he is proud proud of his family and of himself of his birth education and natural endowments he thinks himself equal to anybody and sees no reason why he may not one day become president of the united states were it not for his bashfulness he would annoy his family very frequently but the dread of meeting strangers keeps him at a distance he is not intemperate nor does he gamble nor is he addicted to any gentlemanly vice in particular you may easily conceive of the bewilderment of mr Merritt, the fastidious refined polished gentleman of taste who has a perfect horror of anything outré when this gentleman was presented to him as his wife's brother the willards are a nervous family constitutionally nervous but the nervousness of every one of them takes a different shape in accordance with his or her disposition. When one of these unfortunate fits of nervousness seizes Richard, he trembles, twists his fingers, and makes the most hideous and ludicrous grimaces, and it was under the influence of this enemy that he stood before Mr. Merritt at their first interview.' Mr. Merritt, who seldom forgets the duties of a host, after the first moment of surprise, begged that Mr. Willard would take a seat. Mr. Willard knocked over a chair in attempting to do so, and was on the point of upsetting a china inkstand when Evelyn's quick hand prevented that disaster. "'I wish you would be more thoughtful, Dick,' said Evelyn playfully." Thoughtful, Evie. Why, there's not a man in the United States thinks more than myself. I'm always thinking. There's your husband and Walter, as you call him, ask Walter, if I don't look like a thinking character. Mr. Willard, in spite of his glowing cheeks and nervous twitchings of his mouth, delivered these words in a loud tone and confidently looking at Mr. Merritt for a reply. Mr. Merritt merely bowed. Walter, my fine fellow, continued Mr. Willard. There's no use of ceremony between such near relations. You call me Dick and I'll call you Walter. That will be quite fair and right. I say, Walter, don't you think that Evie and I look alike? I cannot say that I find much resemblance, Mr. Willard, answered Mr. Merritt, shuddering slightly. Well, now, everybody thinks we are alike, but I have grown thin lately and Evie has grown fat. Oh, Richard, you had better not call me fat before Walter. He detests fat people. Well, fleshy then, very fleshy. Don't you think every fleshy? Continued Mister. Willard, who had begun to grow timid about pronouncing his formal and formidable brother-in-law's name. No, sir, I have never thought Missus Merrid inclined to enbonpoint. No? Well, that's queer. And you don't think us alike? As for me, I-I- I, Mr. Willard's mouth began to twitch so unpleasantly that he could not proceed. His chair felt uncomfortable to him. He rose, walking towards the glass, made a comb of his fingers, and began arranging his disordered hair. Neither Mr. Merritt nor Evelyn spoke. The silence was broken by Richard, who asked, as he complacently surveyed his features in the mirror, "'How do you think I look, Evie?' "'Looking well, am I not? Quite well, I think, in spite of my rather sedentary habits.'" Evelyn laughed and answered, "'Oh, you are always a beauty, Richard.'" "'Now, don't call me Richard, or I'll think you're making fun. I prefer dick. Sounds independent.'" and there's not such another independent fellow alive as myself." The doors opened and several visitors were announced. Evelyn received them with her usual childlike grace, and would have presented her brother had not Mr. Willard foreseen her intention, and immediately commenced an animated conversation with his friends. Mr. Willard ensconced himself in a corner and remained there until the guests were seated, and then suddenly coming forward, he walked up to Evelyn and said, "Every, I'm off. We must make Walter there take care of you. I'll look in again and see how you're getting along and whether I can be of any service to you. Married folks want a counselor sometime. All in my line, you know. Evelyn's visitors looked up in astonishment at this familiar address and a solemn silence ensued, during which richard ran about the room looking under the tables and chairs for his hat at last he found one which he supposed was his but as he was walking away a gentleman politely accosted him excuse me sir but i believe you have made a mistake that hat is mine yours sir you don't say so well that's queer take it sir i'm glad you didn't stand on ceremony "'Here is your hat, sir,' said Mr. Merritt, "'attempting to conceal Mr. Willard's shabby-looking head-covering "'from the company while he handed it to him. "'Mr. Willard took it, flourished the dilapidated article in the air "'as he made a bow, and endeavored to retreat toward the door, "'walking backwards, but unluckily his foot became entangled "'in the shawl of one of the ladies,' which was carelessly trailing on the ground. Evelyn sprang forward to render her assistance, but her brother, not knowing what he was doing and anxious to escape, caught hold of the shawl and, making a furious effort to free himself, carried away a large piece of the fringe, which had fastened itself to a nail in his roughly made boot. He was too unconscious of his own act to apologize, and after a volley of mingled bows, smiles, and grimaces, made his exit. The lady whose shawl had received this damage could not conceal her vexation. The whole company were thrown into confusion. Mr. Merritt was vexed, and Evelyn grieved. After remaining a few minutes longer... The visitors took their leave. "'I never heard that you had a brother, Evelyn,' said Mr. Merritt, seating himself beside his lovely wife, as soon as they were alone. "'Oh, yes, you have, but you have forgotten it. Richard is so bashful that he never lives with us, and nobody thought to invite him to the wedding, for we knew he would not come.' As Evelyn uttered these words, Mrs. Willard entered the room with a troubled countenance. Evelyn, my love, go to your sister. I have a few words to say to Mr. Merritt. Evelyn flew out of the room and came to tell me what had occurred, for she is an artless, open-hearted creature and cannot exist without a confidant to whom she can communicate every thought, hope, and intention. In about an hour, Mrs. Willard joined us, her eyes looking bright and her cheeks flushed the expression of her countenance was at once triumphant and anxious we talked on indifferent subjects till evelyn bade us good-night and then mrs willard turned to me caught hold of both my hands and said i have succeeded kate i have succeeded succeeded in what i asked in surprise succeeded in extracting from mr merritt a sufficient sum to pay the board bill it was like drawing teeth i tell you he seemed very disinclined to part with the money until i told him that mr Fleecer would make the matter public if he was not paid at once and it would injure walter himself and evelyn besides distressing us all so dreadfully Then I told him that I had informed Fleecer that it was impossible for Mr. Willard to pay the amount due just at present, but that I intended to apply for assistance to Mr. Merritt. I added that Fleecer, knowing this fact, when he found that our own son-in-law refused to aid us, would not keep the affair to himself. After that, I assured Walter that Mr. Willard would give his note for the money "'endorsed by his son Richard, and that there was no possible risk. "'Walter is a generous fellow. "'When he heard this, he did not make many objections to giving me a check for the money. "'He would do anything rather than be talked about "'or have his wife's family made the subject of discussion. "'An excellent point. "'You see, I know how to choose a son-in-law.' "'And to manage him after he is chosen,' I replied.' mrs willard nodded her head significantly and answered ah my dear we only live in this world to learn how to get through life in the best and most comfortable manner it is a study worthy the wisest of us and i confess myself an apt student with these words she took up her candle and retired you will wonder dear elizabeth at mrs willard's communicativeness and so do i myself i think i might conscientiously say that i never sought her confidence therefore i must have won it by the undisguised interest which i take in her family if you knew evelyn you would easily trace the source from which that interest springs it is impossible to be acquainted with that lovely creature without being fascinated Everything connected with her has become endeared to me, and it is through her medium alone that her mother approaches my heart. I do not think that Evelyn is aware of her mother's maneuvers, and she unconsciously plays into Mrs. Willard's hands. Since Evelyn's marriage, her husband has placed large sums of money at her disposal, for it is his pride to see her elegantly attired, but evelyn instead of expending this money upon herself is continually making costly presents to her mother and her sister she uses her husband's purse as though like peter Schmeichel's, it was inexhaustible mrs willard while she profits by evelyn's gifts Seems to me sometimes almost to regret that she has no longer any occasion to show her skill in making an old and worn out article of dress look like a new one. She is unrivaled in her talents for turning and cleansing silk, dyeing scarves, cleaning gloves, washing ribbons and laces, etc. She delights in making a bargain buying damaged goods at a cheap rate and making all her purchases on credit. I have seen her several times seriously annoyed and even vexed when Evelyn, without attempting to beat down the shopkeeper who was serving her, drew forth the money for some article that struck her fancy and ordered it to be sent home. Evelyn does not know how to manage. Would her mother whisper to me? It is such a pity, but I never could teach her. I would have bought those goods and not paid half that sum for them. A few days after Mrs. Willard's conversation with Mr. Merritt respecting the board bill, we were just returning from breakfast when Evelyn, who since her marriage is furnished with a private table, ran into her mother's parlor, exclaiming, mother mother do you know walter says that we are going to housekeeping he intends to purchase one of those beautiful houses in union square but what shall i do without you i ask him if you and ellen and father were not going to live with us and he frowned and said that we had not married the whole family mrs willard's countenance was perfectly calm as she answered He was right, my love. Do not trouble yourself. You will see us very often, and it is not respectable for a man of Mr. Merritt's wealth to board all his life. Evelyn was summoned to her dressmaker, and Mr. Willard, who had heard all the remarks of his wife and his daughter, rose up and said despairingly, what is to become of us now i wonder when mr merritt leaves the house who will keep that merciless fleecer in order in less than a month he will let us know that he cannot accommodate us with rooms any longer he was always an unaccommodating fellow evan preserve us do not worry yourself replied mrs willard composedly i am not in the least alarmed i am delighted that mr merritt is going to housekeeping leave everything to me the confident tone in which mrs willard spoke reassured her husband he knew that she had some scheme in her head and that was sufficient what that scheme could be was of no especial importance to him If, once conceived by her, its execution was insured. I should much regret the loss of Evelyn's society. Did I not think it to her advantage to be removed from the influence of Laura Hilson? You remember I mentioned that this Miss Hilson was one of Evelyn's bridesmaids, and that she was residing in the house with us i have taken an uncontrollable and perhaps unwarrantable dislike to her she professes to be evelyn's bosom friend and possesses that sort of influence over her which a strong mind may always exert over a weaker one i sometimes think she is an enemy at heart when evelyn is admired laura's dark eyes flash with ill-concealed envy she will herself join in the conversation and bestow the most extravagant praises upon the very errors of her friend with the view of rendering those errors more conspicuous once or twice when mr merritt was leaning over the back of evelyn's chair and with lover-like devotion listening to her lively discourse i have watched laura's cheek flush as she regarded them and once when i sat beside her "'I caught the sound of her teeth as she ground them together. "'Does this portend nothing? "'It is not at all improbable that Miss Hilson "'entertains feelings of animosity towards the unsuspecting Evelyn. "'I have heard that before the Willards came to the house, "'Mr. Merritt was supposed to be paying his addresses to Miss Laura herself.' and that she received them with all encouraging graciousness she is the daughter of a widow lady a boisterous red-faced old woman like the willards steeped in poverty up to the teeth and like them residing in a fashionable boarding-house for the sake of disposing of her daughter the mother appears to me a vulgar inoffensive woman But from the eyes of the daughter, I have too often seen a revengeful spirit look threateningly forth not to suspect her. Heaven shield Evelyn from this pretended friend. I would much rather she was an open enemy. End of chapter 2